Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is episode 75 with Jeremy Hockenstein. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxy. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Jeremy Hockenstein, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Digital Divide Data. That's DDD for an acronym. He's an award-winning social and, um, entrepreneur that's delivered data, digital content, data, and research services to clients worldwide. Now, with his company, they created, they created an innovative model that employs talented youth from developing nations and low-income families. Jeremy's mother is a Holocaust survivor, which caused him to be deeply moved by the aftermath of the genocide in Cambodia and motivated him to incorporate social change to his core business. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you, Tyo. Great to be here. Thanks for uh, having my first podcast. So <laughs> no, the pleasure is all mine. So I was, I was talking about this earlier, about how when I got in- introduced to your work, I got really fascinated by by what you what it is that you do and before we get into that i want you to give the audience sort of a, a timeline of what led to your path to this company and some of the things that define you now great thank you well happy to happy to share um you know i, I grew up in montreal i you know i always had a sense i wanted to do something that i felt made a difference in some ways to the kind of communities around me you know, i'm not sure where that came from exactly although as you mentioned um my mother actually miraculously was born on april 9 a- april 18th 1945 just over 70 years ago um in a concentration camp a small camp called zittau she her mother became pregnant in the large ghetto she survived the selection in auschwitz and then miraculously since as you probably know not many pregnant women were allowed to live or their babies to live my mother is miraculously born um, three weeks before liberation. And so, you know, we didn't talk about that a lot. Um, but, you know, I think it's obviously something that seeped into our, our family. And it's obviously a miracle that she's, you know, here and therefore a miracle that I'm here. And, and you know, I think the, the overall idea I had um, was, you know, look, well, what do you do with a life when, you know, you shouldn't have been, you shouldn't have had it. 
And, you know, it's obviously the case for all of us. You know, we know anything can happen tomorrow to any of us, and it does, unfortunately, to, to friends and family that we've had. Um, so I think this does, you know, I, I think most people could relate to this. But, you know, I think with, with my, more, my, my family's more dramatic background, you know, I always had this idea of, okay, what do you do? And I think for myself, the answer was, look, try to do something, you know, small that will help make, make the world, a, you know, concretely a, a better place than you left it. And, and you know, because you were here, um, it'll, you know, have been a better place. And so you know, that was a general idea. You know, I didn't know what that meant. We used to, growing up, a, a friend of mine, Andrea and I, we used to make, uh, have carnivals for, uh, raise money for the Jerry Lewis telephone on Labor Day. But, you know, just kind of small things. I, I then um, went off to, to college. Um, and then, you know, I didn't know what to do afterwards. And there, there was only two recruiters, I used to say then, you know, that would show up at recruiting services. Uh, one were investment banks, and the other were management consultants. And I still couldn't figure out, I didn't know what investment bankers do, and I still have a hard time figuring it out. So I went and became a consultant. I was a consultant <laughs> at McKinsey. Um, and I, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it in a lot of ways. I learned a lot, you know, in some ways more than I did at business school later on. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, making more money for the phone company or for, you know, the, the other kind of companies wasn't as meaningful to me. So I then, you know, set out on, you know, another search for, okay, how can I find work that is both meaningful and challenging? Um, and then after business school, I didn't, uh, instead of going back to McKinsey, I started doing some of my own consulting. And then it's actually just coming up on 15 years now, amazingly enough, that I went to Hong Kong for um, a client actually sent me to Hong Kong for a week. I'd never been to Asia before. Um, and I said, where should I visit this weekend? And they said, you should go see Angkor Wat uh, in Cambodia. And ha have you been there? No, I, I've lived in Vietnam, but not, I've not been to Cambodia. Oh, well, okay. Well, we're going to have to host this podcast from there, I guess, sometime. But um, we, uh, you know, I went to see Angkor, and it's a beautiful place, and everyone listening should definitely go see it. Um, but I was just really more struck by the people that I met, you know, and I just saw so many internet cafes, so many English schools, and there's just a sense, particularly among young people that I met, that there was just such, you know, the promise of globalization was there. You know, people had CNN, but they thought, look, I'm going to learn computers in English, I'm going to get jobs, but then the jobs just weren't there. And so, you know, I went to... Um, I went to a place, for example, you know, I was just there a few days that, that first trip, but I went to a place where people with disabilities were making handicrafts. And in the back there, I saw some computers and I'm like, what are you doing? And they said, oh, you know, we're, we're teaching people to, to learn computers. And I was like, oh, great. And they showed me all the pictures of their graduates. And I said, oh, great. What kind of jobs do people have when they graduate? And they said, oh, well, we don't have any jobs. It's Cambodia. You know, so there you had, you know, shame. First of all, you're wasting donor money, but that's, you know, their their problem. But more importantly, you're raising the hopes of people that, you know, this is going to bring them opportunities. People with disabilities in Cambodia in particular weren't treated well, even by their families, never thought that they would be able to kind of support themselves. And then you're just, you know, lower and then just disappointing people. So anyway, something struck me a lot. This is December, or November 2000. 2000. Um, I told some friends about it from Montreal and some McKinsey friends of mine. And in February 2001, uh, a few months later, I, we all went back for a month to Phnom Penh. And we kind of rented an apartment, knocked on some doors and said, look, we'd like to do something that helps. You know, we don't want to create something new that's not necessary. But, you know, what do you really need? And we met some grassroots NGOs we really admired who were helping people with disabilities and poor Cambodians learn computers. And they said, look, we really need jobs. And so it was around the time we were just starting to hear about call centers in India. And so we thought, okay, you know, that's interesting. Maybe we could do something that would bring in kind of work from, from abroad. And actually, you know, we thought we can't do call centers because the band, you know, it was $4 a minute to call Cambodia. Now on Google Voice, I think it's now down to 15 cents a minute. Um, but it was $4 a minute then. And also the English quality, you know, English levels weren't high enough. So we thought data entry, people can type, you know, we'll do data entry. Um, a friend of mine flew from Phnom Penh to Delhi and took out the yellow pages to data entry firms and knocked on 10 doors. You know, nine of them, of course, kicked him out or wouldn't talk to him. And the 10th the, the guy, Lalit Gupta, who 
has subsequently become a good friend and came to my wedding. He said, oh, sure, I'll help you guys. You know, you're trying to help people for no apparent reason in, in Cambodia. And so we hired a few people from Cambodia, um, sent them to India, to Delhi for three months to learn kind of how to do this. And uh, and I came back and I used some people to Harvard Crimson from being an undergraduate. And so our first project we opened in the summer of 2001 um, was typing the Harvard Crimson from 1873 to 1899. Uh, and... and uh, and putting it online. So that's how we started. Um, I can jump ahead and you can ask me questions you want. But So today we operate in Cambodia, Phnom Penh, um, in Vientiane, Laos, um, in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, and also we just opened this last fall here in the U.S., uh, in Virginia. In Asia and Africa, our model is that we recruit students who are finishing high school um, from very poor families, very smart. Um, but otherwise, if we didn't help them, wouldn't be able to go on to university. So they'd be stuck in low-income kind of jobs and not earning that much and not able to put their kids through college. Instead, what we do is we then have a, a training program, but the core of what we do is we have a four-year work-study program. So our employees um, work for us about 36 hours a week. Um, we pay them for that work, and then we give them scholarships and loans to go to university. So people are studying and then doing work. Um, learning at work, professional skills like coming to work on time, working in teams, doing high-quality work for clients you know, around the world. And then after four or five years, once they graduate school, they graduate from DDD. Some stay and become higher you know, place managers. But most of them then get – we help them get higher place jobs in the countries. Um, so – and then we measure our success. We've had about 1,000 graduates um, who have gone a thousand. on. 1,000? We've had a thousand graduates uh, wow. in Asia. We have twelve hundred employees now. We've graduated a thousand people. Uh, most of those are in are in Cambodia and Laos because uh, we've just been out four years and just been operating four years in Kenya. Um, but in terms of um, Asia, so our graduates now are earning about you know, on average, um, people are earning about um, six times the average income in the country. But after being out six or seven years, people are earning more like eight or, 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 uh, or 10 times. So, it, so we've had, you know, we've had strong results. Uh, here in the U.S., we opened with a little bit of a different approach um, in the last fall. Um, we opened uh, on a foreign military ba base in Fort Monroe, Virginia, um, where we uh, employ 100 military spouses and veterans. Uh, similarly, a, a very talented population that's underemployed because of a number of reasons we could we could talk about. We have 100 people there um, doing actually higher level finance and accounting work um, for AOL as our client. So overall, we have about $10 million a year of, of earned income. Um, that covers most of our business costs and kind of salaries and costs to run the organization. And then we raise um, uh, about a million and a half, two million dollars a year of philanthropic support, which goes for the training and development, you know, of our people and scholarships to universities. So it's this hybrid approach um, that we think is is you know is, is making a bit of a difference. So that's what we're up to. No, you know, I, there's so many things to pull from that because I, I mm -hmm. love love that you, you you say you focus on high school students, right? Yeah. And and then and then not not only that, it's that you're giving them this work study program where you're, you're giving you're teaching them some of the values of uh, hard work early but you're also exposing them to the right um kind of working environment so they're used to it and not taking it back when yeah. they fully graduate i also want to talk about your offices you you operate everywhere or i mean what are your offices is you use the headquarters in the united states or is it in Cambodia? yeah well i don't know we got to. i you of everybody should know the topic of headquarters doesn't really apply anymore i guess but i will say here in new york is myself um our CFO Wolfgang and my uh, office management assistant Vlad. So there's only three of us here. Um, I say that I don't know if it's idiotic or brilliant to try to run a 1,200-person organization with just three people, but it has its pros and cons. Um, but we then in the U.S. we have another about five people. We have a couple people in Ohio who actually lead our sales efforts to clients. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then we have a couple people in San Francisco who do our sales and marketing. So we try to keep the U.S. kind of numbers lean. And then we have those four four offices. Well, now in Virginia, which is in the U.S. also, but it's an operating office. Then in Nairobi, we have our own facility um, with about 500 people there. Um, in Phnom Penh, uh, Cambodia, we have about 450 or so. Um, and then we have about 250, 300 in Vientiane, Laos. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Kind of delivering work and helping people. Now, are these job opportunities for people in the United States to come to work in the United States, or is it to work in their country, or how does it work? So, um, everybody who works in in our offices from that local area. So, in Nairobi, for example, we recruit from two of Kibera and Matare, two of the the main slums in Nairobi. So, we target those areas. We work with nonprofit partners who are working with um, with young people in that area to help them get through high school, and so we can then recruit those students who are finishing high school. So, um, so and then in Cambodia and Laos, similarly, we're recruiting people from the local area, and they stay and then work afterwards and graduate um, and work in the local economy. Uh, in Virginia, um, we, as I said, we're we have a hundred people, um, about eighty or so, are either military spouses or veterans. Um, one interesting thing, uh, uh, you know, it's relatively new to me, the the military community, um, but we have particularly with military spouses um, between ages of 18 and 24, um, it, the unemployment rate of over 30% uh, based on a recent study I read from the University of Syracuse that has a, a study, a research program on this area. So you have 30% unemployment rates, um, you know, as opposed to the civilian population being, you know, less than 10. Um, and so, and you know, there's a number of reasons for that in terms of people moving around a lot and what's going on in people's lives. And so um, we, we found that this we're finding this work is, is well suited for that. We can build a really dedicated, you know, high performing team doing um, this kind of outsourcing work for people. I hear. I love that you focus in on, on underrepresented uh, underrepresented people yeah. and and also giving them this this outline. And the reason I love it is because you're we always talk about globalization and digital age. That's you know it's a buzzword. Everybody talks about it. Globalization, right. digital <laughs> age. But in order to capture just the full benefits and the effects of what globalization can actually do, you have to get them educated and give them the right opportunities. So it's, in a way, you're sort of breaking that system where a lot of times people say the it's a systemized economy. It doesn't suit us. You know, there's no you know education and there's no path for us to go after this. So we have to resort to this. But what you've done. As part of your organization, is you're giving, providing opportunities for these people to to give them more opportunities to express themselves and to actually discover what they what it is they like about it in the working world and take advantage of what it is um, a global world does offer in terms of resources. So, I mean, is that correct? Is that what you're? Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I mean, to me, you know, what what to me is really special is we're saying, look, there there because of technology and you know globalization and all the words we can use, there there is a lot of you know great opportunity for people, but. Um, in order to take advantage of that, like you say, those returns are increasingly going, those opportunities are increasingly going to people with higher educations, who with more human capital, with more networks of people. And so those, you know, at the bottom of the seven billion really have a harder time, you know, reaching those opportunities. And so to me, I feel this is at heart being a bridge, you know, between the top of the seven billion and the bottom of the seven billion. And you know, when I was first in Cambodia and I just saw the, you know, the passion and dedication and commitment of the young people that I met who, frankly, have worked harder to get where they were than I'd ever worked, you know, giving, growing, growing up in my middle class life in Montreal. I just felt, look, I know there's people back here, you know. I didn't know you. Listen to Tayo's podcast, you know, in office buildings around here in New York who would want to help. And that, you know, if we could just connect those two. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And to me, that's what's really powerful, you know, is that we've got this underutilized potential of people and that um, we need to help those people reach this opportunity. And then it's really a partnership. They're working together. I mean, this isn't like a handout. This isn't just I'm helping you. I, I think we're helping each other. We're helping each other build a better world. We're helping each other tap into debt, you know, underutilized, you know, resources, which is best, you know, better for, for everybody. And so, yeah, to me, it's this real bridge, you know, and I, you know, one day, you know, we, we have some, we have some very dedicated donors um, who are very successful, you know, and, and in terms of the wealth chart, you know, in the top thousand people on the planet, you know, and I could be in their offices one day and then fly to Nairobi and the next day be visiting the home in the slum of, of some of our employees who, you know, if you see them at the office, just look like you're in the Morgan Stanley office, you know, dressed well and committed and working on computers. And if you go to their homes, you know, it, it's, it's unimaginable in terms of the kind of conditions people are living in um but you know through ddd um and through your podcast i, I feel like we're connecting those people no, um, no i love it i love it i mean and that's one of, what i was saying before the call that's one of the reasons i really love what you're doing i grew up like you like we discussed before the yeah. call in you know in a country that that's considered a third world country but the thing is that you've obviously been privy to, to realize is that a lot of these countries where the youth are the future, it, it's you do have you have certain patterns where you see that the education is is, is poor, um, the employment opportunities are almost non-existent sometimes. The middle class is very thin. The government is not conducive to um, you know they don't create programs to actually help the youth. And what happens is by the time it's the youth uh, youth's turn, it's it's almost this cycle of of repeating the, the mistakes of the, la- the past leaders, but it's getting a lot worse with the um, environment that we have, where it's 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 advancing in, in in some areas, but here you know you don't get the education to a level where people can actually meet up to the standards. So one of the things that we both agree on is that yeah, a lot of them are are hard hard workers. I mean, you go there, they want to have success, and they they looking for just looking for the right avenues, and it's they they put in the time. I, you know, I, I went to boarding school. My parents would tell me about how they, they walked to school and did all this type of things. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's the reality, but enough people are not showing that or highlighting that or giving them, like, this array of hope. Um, so yeah. I think it's great. And that, um, the question I wanted to ask you with this was, the reason I was prefacing that was, in some of these countries, what do you see, um, what, do you, what have you noticed brings the most smile out of, out of <laughs> youth? Because it could be, some people sometimes it's just a, an extra pair of shoes or an extra opportunity, but I'm curious to know when you're, you're going in these schools in Nairobi and, and uh, Cambodia and you're talking about this reality, what, what, what excites them? You know, right. what, do they, what solution do they want to solve? What are they like, ah, oh, right. yeah. yeah. So what do they want to do? Well, I mean, look, I think the simplest answer is, you know, 
it, it's just people just want an opportunity, right? It's just, I, I just want a chance to prove myself. And so, um, you know, I think at heart, that's what people are asking for. You know, I always think, you know, if you, the heart of DE to me is, you know, if you had a little film of watching someone walk into DE the first day and kind of walking them, watch out, walking, and a video of watching them walk out, you know, four years later, you know, without any words, without any story, you could just see it in their face, the way, way people hold themselves, the way they smile, their confidence, um, the way they dress. You could just see the transformation of people. And I think really, you know, we, we do surveys of all of our employees before they come and while they come and then for years afterwards to track our progress. And we, so we track salaries in terms of, you know, increase in lifetime earnings and so on. Um but you know we what and and I like numbers and I, I like that piece. But really, it's you know it you can just see it in the change in people. And we call it self-efficacy. You know, I mean, it's not our word, but this concept of self-efficacy of kind of do you feel like you have the ability to you know control your future? What kind of confidence do you have? And so it's on those kinds of questions we ask them. You know, do you have a dream? I'm sure everybody always had a dream, but do you think it's possible? You know, do you think you control your future? Um, do you know? Do you feel like you have a network of people who support you? Um, who can help you um, is really what's you know what, what is very exciting and it's so that's really what's a smile you know the smile is just having a chance um, you know it's not that people are asking you for something but it's just to give it you know to have a chance um, and then to feel more confident that hey you know I I, I have you know I I've proven myself uh, I know I can do this I've done things that I didn't think I could do I've spoken up when I you know thought I shouldn't speak up when my boss you know ha I, I thought was making a mistake you know I think those kinds of you know confidence is what really um, you know what brings just like any human being you know and yeah. and, and all of us you know I, I've been fortunate I have kids here in New York and ten and seven and a half and um, you know and they've been doing all that stuff for you know a young age and, and feeling like they have that opportunity I, I think I mean I would say this is more for myself than even for our team because I'm always surprised to how how not frustrated people are you know knowing the kind of state of the world um, but for me it's just this frustration of you know feeling like look I have this talent I have this ability and I don't get to realize my potential um, and so to me, that's what's frustrating. I think ultimately that's just like all of us um, human beings are, you know, looking for that chance. No, I love it. And then to, to piggyback off of that, what can companies and governments do? I mean, you're obviously, you're unique in the sense that, you you know, you've, you're an award-winning social entrepreneur, but you're also an economist to some degree. And mm -hmm. you, you study the economies of some of these economy, um, countries. And I'm curious to know, to take you back to your consultant days, <laughs> what, right. what would you? What do you think is is the main problem in these countries, and how can organizations <laughs> and governments um, right. work towards bridging this? You know, like you like to use the word bridging right. this gap, and and you know, flattening you know, right. all that. Well, look, I mean, you know, the, we could have endless podcasts about it, and there's a lot of experts. You know, and there's obviously not one magic answer to it. You know, I'd say, look, the approach we're bringing is that you know people need jobs and people need opportunities, and so you know, while there's a long push for a lot, there's a big push for a long time of this kind of bottom of the pyramid to think of as like consumers who can buy products for you. You know, if only you sold you know a TV to all you know six billion people, not just a billion who could afford it, and you know, and for good or bad, you know, there's a lot of TVs owned all over the world, and so you know that's been good for you know consumers. Um, but I think, you know, what we're saying is, look, there's a real talent force. You know, there's a lot of talent um, and you, that, that's that's throughout the world. And the bottom, the quote, bottom of the pyramid, the, you know, bottom in wealth of several billion people can really be great workers for people, you know. And uh, so I say, you know, the companies, 
um, you know, look, why don't you think about what kinds of works do you have that either can come to a place like DDD to do on your behalf, um, or you can set up your own offices to do. And, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit, you know, concretely about the kind of services we do because, you know, people listening, if they had ideas and, and work, you know, w- that we could we could work together. Um, but I think, you know, to me it's about, okay, how can we create some jobs? How do we have work in our kind of, you know, global, you know, whether it's a global empire or it's a small little, you know, small business, um, and really just think of your talent pool as not just the people, you know, right around you um, or in your country, but really a global talent pool. And while it takes some extra time and investment um, to to invest in, you know, in training, connecting, communicating, that both um, the costs can be better in a lot of cases um, where you can pay people very good salaries for their countries that have a lower kind of cost structure than here. And, um, and you know, which gets into the whole question of outsourcing, which, you know, can be controversial we could talk about. But, you know, from my perspective, you know, kids in the slums in Nairobi have the right, you know, to have opportunities to have jobs also. Um, and so I think we just need to, you know, companies need to think about this bottom of the, you know, this, t- the, this talent pool um, as, um, you know, as a global talent pool for them. And that, you know, governments, there's a lot of good people in these governments who are trying hard, um, but we also have a lot of corruption in a lot of these places. Um, we don't have a lot of, you know, knowledge and skills in some of these places. Um, and so, um, so using the market force, I think, is really a way that you can, you know, have strong progress rather than kind of depending on governments and development agencies. Yeah, it also helps with brain drain as well. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. and and I, I think it's, I love what you said about using you know thinking of it as an investment into a, a global talent pool, and it's ultimately going to come back to help your economy in some way. Um, the services. Let's talk about the services. Great. Yeah. So look, our our initial services started as doing data entry for the Harvard Student Newspaper. Um, so from from those roots, we do a lot of digitization, of conversion of documents, data entry, converting newspapers, magazines, books to electronic form um, for um, universities, for libraries, for publishers, for electronic databases, and so on. So that's a hard, heart of a lot of the work that we do um, in Asia. Um, we do also do now a lot of image-related work. Um, so for e-commerce, we use Photoshop to clean up images of, you know, shirts and pants and, and, and product images so that we can, um, so they can sell better. Um, and so we have a, a big client, it's a partner of ours that I'm um, called Pixels that people can look up that offers a service that, um, for e-commerce sites to um, improve their images, and we do the we've 100 we're just ramping up to 100 people in in Phnom Penh um, photoshopping those. Um, we do also do a lot with images related to machine learning, so um, tagging faces and eyes and, and and other body parts in terms of um, being able to then identify them um, and kind of train computers to do you know face recognition and so on. Um, in Kenya, where there's a higher level of English, um, we have a team that. Because um, the young people are studying uh, English since, in English since elementary school, um, so there we do actually a lot of handwriting keying. We do a lot of work of genealogy kind of work, um, where we will type you know birth records and death records and so on. You have to be able to read the handwriting, and we do a lot of kind of web-based research um, in terms of um, looking up um, re- information um, for clients, doing due diligence on people or companies, tracking pricing for products and so on. So that's what we're doing in, in Asia and Europe. And as I said, um, here in the U.S., we're doing higher level finance and accounting. So F&A, as it's called, BPO, business process outsourcing work. So it's the kind of services that we have. Um, and, you know, we're interested in people who have needs like that. We're also, you know, you have an entrepreneurial crowd here. And we're always looking for kinds of work that we could be doing um, that, you know, people can be powering. And so, you know, we're working with a new startup that's um, tagging photos um, for, you know, consumers. You must take a lot of pictures. You got them on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, you never sort through them, pick out the best ones. Um, we have a client 
um, called GetRuly that is is launching a new service um, where which will let us on their behalf sort people's photos, pick out the best ones, you know, edit some of them, and so on. And so, so, anyway, so that's what we're, we're kind of always looking for some new and creative kinds of things we can do. Um, you know, we're this kind of, you know, medium end of kind of outsourcing work and, and looking for creative new kinds of, of work that we can do, as well as our core services around digitization and research. I oh, love it. So it sounds like you do a lot of stuff. It's, it ranges from finance, accounting, to digital stuff, to photos, to images, but, um, you know, entrepreneurship as well. It's like, there are many, many services that you guys offer, and you are essentially the bridge that you were saying. So you, you, yeah. you do you do a lot of this connection. So there are obviously multiple ways people could reach out. So speaking of reaching out, what's the best way to do that? Oh, well, look, we're digitaldividedata.com, digitaldividedata.com. I'm Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at digitaldividedata.com. I'm always happy to hear from people with ideas. We're always looking for people with talent and and uh, you know, and ideas for us, and uh, customers, and donors, and kind of how do we, in a, you know, how do we all work together to to uh, to improve a little bit and get some high quality work done for clients? Um, you know, and our, our proposition to clients is is you know, you, you pay the same, you get the same quality or better because we have a very dedicated you know workforce. Um, but in addition to kind of getting your output, you're also um, doing the work in a way that lifts people up and is a kind of bridge out of poverty. People, so you know, it, it so it works well for everybody. So I'm at Jeremy at Digital Divide Data, DigitalDivideData.com. Awesome, and I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. But before we go, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about what we talk about on the show a lot, which is. The mission statement, use your difference to make a difference. So, Jeremy, yeah. how do you use your difference to make a difference? How do I use my difference? I don't know. You'll have to ask my wife, you know. She says, <laughs> good about me is what's bad about me, I guess. So, I don't know. You could, Probably no one's heard a word I say because I talk pretty quickly, you know. So, I, I, I'd say, you know, I... I I I I I think I can I can say more things and do more things than people normally you know think is appropriate. So maybe the, the filter that I lack sometimes you know um, is what propelled me to you know being you know only 29 at the time, being Cambodia, kind of seeing an opportunity, not seeing the barriers, but thinking, hey, you know, there's something we can do here. Um, you know, inspired by the kind of passion that I saw in people, saying, look, there's got to be a better way. And so you know, I, I like to think a little bit that you know. Uh, saying, you know, thinking what's possible rather than what's not and, you know, thinking about, you know, what could be done, you know, is, is, is something that's, you know, been my difference. You know, I, I yeah. normally joke that our board today would never approve the plan to start DED. You know, it wasn't very well thought out. Um, it wasn't very strategic, you know. I could tell you 10 reasons why it would never, you know, survive the first year, but it has. So, um, so yeah, so I think not having as much of a filter and, and not seeing the, you know, ha- how impossible things are um, has served me well and helped me to, you know, make a little bit of a difference. And, well, that's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, and look at the platform that you've created, right? Because uh, just your belief in and you've seen opportunities where you where people other people wouldn't, um, and I think it definitely helps sometimes to uh, to not have a filter. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. No, but I appreciate it. No, it was so good. thank you so much for coming on the show, Thanks. Jeremy. I Thanks, like uh, Good luck. Thanks for having me, and look forward to hearing from some of your listeners. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.